listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Hey, it's so great to be with you guys. It's so great to be here in this series, and it's so great to see you guys. Um, if we've never met before, my name is Brad, and I absolutely love the living room, and I have a tradition that I've started now that every time I come and speak here, I have to just kind of do, but I have to thank your small group leaders. We have the best small group leaders in the world here, and I really mean that with all my heart, and we've got some new ones this year, and I'm so excited about the new faces that I'm seeing leading, and just I, seriously, small group leaders, thank you so much for giving your Wednesday nights and for your commitment to these college students, and I want to say a special thank you to you students that come every week. Um, it's amazing that you guys come down the mountain and get here to Browns Ridge, and I am so grateful for you. Um, it is amazing what is happening here on Wednesday nights, and uh, I'm just glad to get to, to see a little bit of that, experience that, to hear the stories that are happening here, but I want to thank you for being committed to being here. Uh, it's just amazing, and um, I love just seeing you guys come in, and uh, it's uh, so great. So tonight, we're in part two of uh, Starting DMs, Now We're Here. And last week, I don't know how I got in the slot after Tony Collier. I, no one wants to follow Tony Collier, you know. I'm not going to do TikTok moves up here. I'm not that cool. I get that. You get that. You can see right now. You're not that cool. I get it, okay. I'm not ashamed. I'm just saying I got to follow somebody who was really, 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 really cool and really, really, really real and raw. I loved listening to her message. How amazing was that message last week? And uh, just, just awesome. So tonight, last week, she talked about why do we date? She asked you the question, why do you date? And she didn't give you the answer. I love that. She made you wrestle with it. She said, go away and think about it. What are your motivations behind dating? I think that is a great question that you need to answer and in fact, I think if you could answer that out of the series and come up with an answer, I think it could change your life. In fact, I think tonight, what we're talking about, tonight could be a moment that could change the story you tell about your relationships for the rest of your life. I really believe that. Because tonight, we're going to talk about how to date. How to date. And I, I got to be honest with you. I got the, the text message from Ryan when he was asking me, hey, can you come? I knew what we were supposed to talk about in the series. Okay, I work with the college ministry in case you didn't know that. And I knew what we were going to talk about. And I knew what week two was going to be talking about. And I hesitated in my response to Ryan. And the reason I hesitated like, I was running through my mind. I was like, who is better at giving this talk? Like, who could, there's got to be somebody better to talk about these things than me. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I didn't always get this right. Like, I didn't do this right all the time. Okay? Being real with you, I got married when I was 41. So, uh, just, I know I'm old. Okay, you can say it. You thought it. I get it. Okay, I'm grandpa to some of you. That's okay. All right. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, and for some of you, I hope that gives you hope. 
you know, 41, I got married. I just want to say that's, that's incredible, you know. There's still hope for some of you out there. You got plenty of time, you know. You're in your 20s, so you got, got plenty of time to get to 41. But also, because I was 41, I had a lot of dating experiences. And some of them I'm not too proud about. I'll be honest with you. And, and if I'm being really real, I was a selfish dater. And I didn't know how selfish I was until I got married. And um, mainly because I've been living by myself alone in a one-bedroom apartment. And I did whatever I wanted for about eight years before I got married. I had, you know, and I just, life revolved around me. When life revolves around you, you become a very selfish person. And I'm not saying it was like my dating was like, unhealthy, crazy, unhealthy stories. I'm just saying, I just wanted to do what I want to do. And when you get married, somebody else is in your life, and you've, you've got to start thinking about their needs. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How do we date? And I'm not going to give you practicals per se. We're going to look at some truth that I think could revolutionize the way you do relationships. But what happens when you make dating all about you? Like what happens when you don't realize that, oh, there's somebody else in this relationship that I need to pay attention to? And I know that sounds crazy, but it's possible that you could get into a dating relationship and both of you are bringing your stuff into the relationship and you are wanting to make it all about you, and they're making it all about them. Have you ever seen one of those relationships? It's very contentious all the time. Maybe you grew up in a family. That's kind of how the, the marriage went for a season before it ended. And it was like always about the person. Life revolved around them. And what happens is, is that we bring expectations into relationships. And I'm not saying expectations are bad. I'm just saying we have to realize what they are because we all have a list of what we want in relationships. Whether you've written it down or not, some of you have written it down, but you have a list. You know what I'm talking about, right? You got a list, like what you want in a person, you know? I mean, ladies, you want them to have a sense of humor, you want them to be funny. You want to have good arms, right? For some reason, you want good arms. I don't know. I fully understand that. I have really tiny arms, okay? I'm not, so, I'm not self-conscious about it. I got tiny arms, okay? Listen, but you want, you want big, big arms because you want them to hold you, you know? You want to be caring. You want to be loving. Guys, you want them to be, you know, attractive. You want them to be smart. You want them to have a sense of humor too because everybody wants a sense of humor for some reason because it's just more fun that way. But you have a list. There's nothing wrong with a list. But when we're glued to the list, some things can't, it's like, oh my gosh, like they didn't meet up the list. They didn't make the cut. And have you ever thought about that before? Like if you have a list, like would you live up to your own list? Would you make your own cut? I just want you to evaluate what you think about. When you date and what expectations that you have when you date. 
because selfish dating leads to unhealthy dating. Selfish dating leads to unhealthy dating. And so if that's true, then where do we go to get our cues about dating? Where do we go to learn about dating? And tonight we're going to look at three scriptures. Three scriptures. And what's so crazy about the Bible is the Bible doesn't talk about dating. Can you imagine that? The Bible doesn't say squat about dating. Part of it was there wasn't dating in the Bible. In those times, people didn't date. That isn't how relationships worked, which is crazy to think about. But there are some incredible truths in the Bible that can help us, and principles in the Bible, that can help, help us be helpful and healthy people as we date. And tonight, I hope, as we look at these scriptures, that the story that you're going to tell for the rest of your life about the way you handle relationships could change. I'm so excited to be here and to get to share what I'm about to share because I really believe it could change your life. So we're going to dive in. There's this big famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It's known as the great love passage. You hear it at weddings all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It isn't easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. You've heard the passage before. And then right after that passage, Paul seems to shift gears. And he talks about now we know in part and now, then we're going to know in full. Now we're kind of incomplete and we're going to be complete or we're going to be fully known. And then he drops this verse in verse 11. And it is crazy. It almost feels like it's out of left field. And this is the verse. We're going to put it up. When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Why would Paul talk about children after this love passage? Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever seen this verse before, by the way? Because most people miss this verse because they're so focused on what is said before it. Why would he talk about children? Well, children, <laughs> children, like the psychology of a children, of a child, like they believe the world revolves around them. Think about a two-year-old, okay? A two-year-old, they have desires and wants. They need to be fed. They need to be cared for. They need to be cleaned. They cannot take care of themselves. They're developmentally, they cannot function without the help of a parent. And Paul is sitting here going, when I was a child, I thought like a child, because that's what children do. I taught like a child. I reasoned like a child when I became a man. In other words, when I started maturing, when I started growing up, I put childish things behind me. Okay, just to 
flesh this out to be clear. Children are self-focused, they're self-indulgent, and they're short-sighted. They're self-focused, they're self-indulgent, and they're short-sighted. Self-focused, the world revolves around children. Have you ever taken a toy away from a child and gotten like an okay reaction? Like, sure, go ahead, take it from me. That was my favorite toy, and you just took it from me. No, they don't react like that. They throw a tantrum at two years old when you take a toy from them. They're self-focused. The world revolves around them. They're self-indulgent. They want what they want, and that's all they care about. They're short-sighted. They have no idea the inconvenience they are at times. Their actions are inconvenient. And there's parents in the back of the room laughing at me right now, but they know what I'm talking about because they've dealt with the consequences. You've never fed a kid, and when you're, when you're done feeding the kid, they don't say, Mommy, can I feed you now? That never has happened because they're a child. And Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So what does that mean for us tonight? Well, I literally think we could sum up the entire series of dating for some of you in the room because most of the issues that you have in your relationships is because you sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes behave like a child in your relationships. Harsh, I get it. I understand that that's really harsh. And some of you, I don't know. You're like, who is this guy and how did he get here? I understand that. But literally, guys, look at me. I'm telling you, if you walked out of here tonight and said, I am not going to behave like a child in my relationships anymore. I'm not going to fight for what I want. What I want, I want to fight for what she wants. I'm telling you, you will revolutionize your relationships. It will be the game changer. And the story you're going to tell is going to be so much greater than what you're experiencing right now. So how do you put childish things behind you? So we're going to jump into another passage from Paul. And this one, honestly, again, there were some hesitations. This one's I, I hesitate all the time. I will go home tonight and have a conversation with my wife about this passage. She called me right before I got on stage. And, I, and she knew, she knew I was hesitant about this. But this, this one, I, I'm just telling you, I get convicted by because when you teach about Scripture, you got to live it out. And if I'm being just very honest with what I'm about to say, what I'm about to read, I fail at this one a lot, okay? But if you can get this, I'm not just talking about dating relationships. This will change family relationships. This will change your friendships. This will change your roommates. If you can get this, Philippians 2, verse 3. So just to give you a little context, Paul has got some disunity in the church in Philippi, and he's writing about, like, not being selfish 
And he wants them to be aware of how they should behave in their relationship. In fact, what he's really writing about is relational unity. That's what he's addressing. He wants them to be unified as a church in Philippi. So, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Man, it gets me every time. So do nothing. So that's broad. That's a wide net. No, this is not about dating. I will say it, but that covers dating. I mean, if you think about it, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What is selfish ambition? It is the desire. It is the, the, the drive for you to be focused fully on yourself. I know I just repeated basically the verse, but that's what selfish ambition is. It is like a drive in use. It is a desire. It is the interest. It is the, the thing that motivates you to be focused about you. Vain conceit is really two words that mean the same thing in a lot of ways. That you, One, that you would think more highly above yourself, that you think you're more important, or that you're focused on your appearance. And that could be the appearance of, hey, I have a girlfriend, like, like appearance, like I have somebody with me, or just like vanity of like how you look and what you dress, how you dress and how, what you wear. But conceit, okay, that you would have a higher view, that you would think more highly of yourself than you actually are. And that one's a hard one to figure out because it's like, well, I don't really do that. It's like, no, but really, do you? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So this, <clears throat> I want to be clear here. Humility is not like, you know, having low self-esteem. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not saying, you know, put yourself down so that others will be higher than you. He's saying that when you view other people, when you look at them, that you would desire, you would be so focused on them that their worth, that you... Their worth and their value to you is that you would consider them above your own interest. Okay? That is crazy. This is the convicting part for me. How much time have you thought about other people today? I mean, that's why it convicts me. Because it's like, man, if I, th if I put this much energy into myself and thinking about my desires... How do I focus more on someone else that you would value them and you would give consideration to their needs above your own? But looking to your own, not, but not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so the question that you're asking here is what is best for the other person? What is best for the other person. And to sum it up, this is the bottom line for the talk. Valuing others 
makes you more valuable to others. Valuing others makes you more valuable to others. Just think about that for a second. That if you start looking to the other interests of the person that you're pursuing, that makes you more valuable to them. It makes you safe. It makes breakups easier. You ever thought about that? Have you ever been in a relationship that you could break up well? And I'm not saying it's not hard or it doesn't hurt. I'm just saying that you've done it so right that when the breakup ended, it was like, that's right. Do you know that's possible? Literally, that is possible if we had the right perspective. Valuing others makes you more valuable to others. And then, this is the kicker, okay? Verse 5. We're not going to get into all of this, but here it is. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Jesus. It goes on to say that even though he was God, he didn't see, consider equality with God to be grasped. But he came to earth, humbled himself, took on flesh, became a man, and lived a perfect, sinless life, and then went to the cross and died a horrible death being crucified. And then he defeated the power of sin and death through the resurrection, which is the greatest news that we could ever receive. But Jesus had a mindset of humility and serving. And Paul is challenging us and saying, hey, have the same mindset as Jesus in your relationships. That you would value others above your own interest. So, I want to close with just four questions for you to think about. <clears throat> and I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. And uh, I want you to come up with your answers for this. And, and I think these are notes that maybe, just maybe if you're a journaler, that you might come back to years from now because some of your answers to these questions will change. So the first question, what are your selfish ambitions? What are they? I want you to have an answer to that. I mean, it could be simple things. It could be, I want to watch the game on Saturday. I'm not missing that game. It is the most important game ever, as we sometimes make it out to be. Like, it's not the national championship, but it's going to determine the national championship. i got to see it. That could be an ambition. Nothing wrong with watching the game. I just want to say that. It's not a sin. I'm not trying to convict you on that. I'm just saying, what's your ambition? 
Me, if I'm being honest right now, golf. I love it. My wife says I'm obsessed with it. I keep having conversations with her that I'm not really obsessed with it. But if I'm being honest, yeah, I want to go play golf sometimes. Okay? Maybe it's a good decision. Maybe it's not. Selfish ambition, though. Being, being real, okay? But how about crazier selfish ambitions? How about sex? Is that an ambition of yours? Is that a desire in you? It's, I, can I just be honest with you? It's, God created that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a good thing? I'm not going to sit here and be like, you shouldn't desire that. That would be some messed up teaching if I said that to you. But when you want it for yourself, then it's selfish. And you need to be able to identify that. Because it is so much greater when it's mutual. And I'm not trying to encourage that before marriage, by the way. I'm just saying, okay? But what are your selfish ambitions? Second question. This one's harder. Are there any ways in which you demonstrate vain conceit? Okay? And, um, and I don't know how to... The only way you can really... This is a self-awareness question, okay? This is a self-awareness question, and you need people in your life that can speak truth to you. Hopefully you have, like, one or two... People in your small group, maybe. Maybe you're not there yet in your small group because your small group's new. Maybe you have a best friend that you grew up with. They can sh tell you when you are showing areas of vain conceit. And some of you are, like, struggling, you know, with, like, what is vain conceit or what, what's that about? Like, <clears throat> like, we gave Harry Styles tickets away. Which, what's college ministry in America gives Harry Styles tickets away? I mean, and if you came tonight for the Harry Styles tickets, I'm so glad you're here. I just want to say that. That's amazing. And, um, but we do things like that because we want to have fun and we want you to go enjoy things. And, and uh, I hope some of you came for some reason like that. That would be awesome. Um, but let's just say that Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde broke up, okay? Y'all following me on this? Anybody following this? Okay. And you have that thought, you know, maybe, maybe Harry on Saturday night. When's the concert? When's the concert coming? Ryan, anyone? October. Okay. Next month, next month. And you're like, maybe Harry's going to notice me in the crowd. Alexis, he's going to see the boyfriend and go, hey, I'm better. You know, I get it. I'm better than the boyfriend. And you're going to be like, yes, Harry, you are, and I'm worthy. I am worthy. Or, and some of you be like, Olivia, where are you? Guys, would you not be Olivia? Anybody want to just admit it? Be like, yes, I would love to go on a date with Olivia. Y'all know, yes, thank you, thank you, you know. And she would like me. But that, that would be like, here's the, here's the problem in that story, thank you for playing, is that like you go, oh my gosh, it could work out. Like, she's going to like totally be into me, you know. That would be vain conceit, just being honest with you, okay. Just a little bit, that's extreme, I get it. Next question, how do you express value in your relationships? You have to know this. How do you express value in your relationships? How do you communicate value? For some of you, it's, I'm going to call my mom on the drive back to school tonight. And I'm going to say thank you. Because I haven't done that. 
but you need to figure out how you express value in your relationships. And you need to make sure that you're doing it. Because I promise you, we don't do it enough. I promise you, we don't do it enough. And then the last question is off of that. What makes you feel valued and why? And you need to know the answer to that question. And you need to be able to communicate that as well. And if you can communicate that in your relationships, you're going to figure out, hey, do your values line up? And do they value me the way I need? And there's nothing selfish about that. Can I just say that? But there's going to be times, and I can tell you from experience, that it's not all there. Relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. I guarantee you I can bring these married small group leaders, and they're not going to be like, it was the easiest thing ever. And we just follow God, and everything works out. It's not like that. It's hard because there's two people that are humans that have sometimes good desires and sometimes bad desires. Just be real. And if you can start thinking through the answers to these questions, I think it will help you tell a greater story about your relationships.